Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 63 of the Summit for Wellness podcast. I'm your host, Brian Carroll, and today we are going to be talking about toxins that you can find within your home. If you remember back to episode 33, I had Michelle Ornstein of Inessa come on to talk about different toxins and chemicals that are found in uh, beauty products. And if you remember from that episode, there is a lot of products that don't need to label specific toxins. In fact, we have more than 10,000 ingredients in America that are banned elsewhere in the world. So today we will have Deborah Lynn Dad, who specializes in finding toxic chemicals within the household. And we dive into where to find these toxins and how to remove them from your home. All the way from what can be found in your mattress or your mattress covers all the way to the products that you use in your bathroom. So let's dive right into my conversation with Deborah Lynn Dad. Deborah Lynn Dad is a world's leading expert on toxic-free products. After reclaiming her health from toxic chemical exposures right in her own home, Deborah wrote the first book on toxic chemicals in consumer products and safer alternatives in 1984. Since then, Deborah has become the most prolific writer on the subject, with seven more published books and the largest website on toxic free living on the internet. Welcome to the show, Deborah. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on to talk talk about all the different chemicals that we can find, you know, in a lot of the products in our homes and in a lot of, you know, most of the materials and everything that we can find yeah. in our homes. So can you talk about your background a little bit and what got you interested in um, all these toxins that we can find in our, in our homes? Yeah, I actually started 40 years ago. I was just counting up the years the other day. And, and so I actually have been toxic free for 40 years. I thought that that was pretty interesting because I think I'm one of the only people on the planet that hasn't been exposed to toxic chemicals for 40 years. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm exposed to no toxic chemicals, but in my home, there are very few of any, but I go out into the world. And so, you know, then there are, but even, even the amount of toxic exposure that we can reduce at home makes a huge interest, a huge difference in our health. And the way I got interested in this was because I got very, very sick. I was only 23 years old at the time. And you would think that at age 23, that you would be um, doing, just doing well and going out and having fun, but I was sick. And uh, the kinds of symptoms that I had were things like, I couldn't sleep at night. I was very depressed. I would get headaches. I would binge eat and um, the list just kind of went on and on and and it was a list of symptoms that didn't add up to any kind of illness that I knew of and uh, and then I discovered kind of accidentally um, my my mother actually was dying of cancer and my father took her to a doctor for intravenous vitamin C treatments which were very unusual 40 years ago and 
uh, that doctor happened to be one of the first doctors who were treating um, patients for what was called environmental illness at that time. And at that time, very little was known about uh, the association between products in our homes and the toxic chemicals in them and health. But there were people who were reacting to these chemicals like me. And I, um, I got tested and I tested positive to all these toxic exposures. And then the question becomes, well, what do you do if you suddenly find out your whole house is toxic and that everything that you're being exposed to is causing all this whole list of symptoms? What do you do? There were no, there was no internet then. There were no books like my books. And so I had to go to the library and poison control centers and medical libraries and piece together the information from one book. Like I remember that the biggest thing for me was to find out because insomnia was one of my symptoms. The biggest thing for me to find out was in one book, I found out that formaldehyde can cause insomnia, formaldehyde exposure, but then where's the formaldehyde? And then in another book, I managed to find that permanent press finish, like are on like virtually all bed sheets. And there are a few that don't have it, but <coughs> excuse me, most of the bed sheets that are the ones that are permanent press have a formaldehyde finish that is evaporating formaldehyde in your bed all night long. And when I put those two pieces of information together, I managed to find some untreated cotton sheets. And the first night that I slept on them, I had no insomnia. I actually slept. And that was one of the most dramatic proofs of this to me. And when I saw that, I just kept researching and researching and researching about where are these chemicals? What are they and what can they do to me? Yeah, and when you take a look into people's bedrooms, most people spend, you know, roughly a third of their life sleeping. And so you definitely want to make your bedroom as toxic-free as possible because you are getting so much exposure to uh, that room. So, I mean, we've seen it with, like, uh, mold exposure and a lot of other issues where people, you know— while they're sleeping, they're getting exposed to all these toxins that are being released and they're getting sick and they don't understand that it's coming from their bedrooms. But that's a great place to start. I think it is a great place to start. And and just even if you do something like swap out your permanent press sheets for untreated cotton sheets, and now it's getting to be winter as we're recording this, and to get, like I sleep on cotton flannel sheets all year long and and in the summer they you would think that they would be too hot but they they're not because they absorb perspiration better than percale sheets and um and coming up in january all these cotton flannel sheets are going to be on sale and i just stock up in january and and that will make a huge difference to not be sleeping in a cloud of formaldehyde a huge difference formaldehyde causes cancer and there, this, I, I just want to say this as kind of an aside. One of the problems is that most of these toxic chemicals that we're being exposed to in all these different products are not on the label of the product. 
there's no warning label on a bed sheet that says caution this this uh, bed sheet is emitting formaldehyde which causes cancer yet there's other types of products like formaldehyde is in particle board if you buy a sheet of particle board at the lumber yard it has a warning label on it but if you cut that sheet and make a table out of it or stereo speakers or all the other things kitchen cabinets that are made out of particle board there's no warning labels on them and this is like probably the most difficult thing is just being able to identify where are the toxic chemicals yeah and that's actually super interesting to make note on because there is um some ways in like the food industry as well where if something's considered to be an industry standard like a product that they use um uh, typically within that food item, uh, then they don't have to put it on the label. So I guess that would make sense that, you know, different products that you find around your household, they don't need to label, hey, this has formaldehyde, you should be careful. Yeah, you, actually, labeling laws were one of the most interesting things for me when I first started uh, researching because there is no standard labeling law. Like there's labeling laws for food, there's the labeling laws for body care products, there's labeling laws for furniture, but they're all different. Pesticides, they're all different. And so I had to go and find out what is the labeling law for each type of product so that I could understand what I was looking at on the label. And again, I'll just say because it's so important that what it says on the label is not necessarily what's in the product. And one of the issues that I'm working on now I spent a lot of years of those 40 just trying to find out what are the health effects, where are, are the, where are the chemicals in the products, what are the safe alternatives. And now we pretty much know that. Um, I, I feel confident that I could go into any home. I'm not even going to say virtually any home. I'm going to say I could go into any home and remove the toxic chemicals. I could go into any office and remove the toxic chemicals and replace those toxic products with safer ones. And, and so now the challenge for me is, how are we going to push the envelope to get more disclosure? How are we gonna get more manufacturers to say, this is what's actually in our products? And I'm actually working on some projects about that um, because if we don't know what's in the product, we can't evaluate it. So why do companies use such harsh chemicals in all these products? Like, what's the point of having formaldehyde on your bed sheets and all these other harsh chemicals in every single product in the house? Well, I'm not sure that manufacturers got together and said, let's um, put the most toxic products, uh, materials in the products that we possibly can. I'm not sure that that happened. I think what happened was that it was an accident. I, I don't think that, that there's a grand scheme of evil going on here. I think that what is happening is that there was a certain point in history where industrialism started. And instead of making everything out of natural renewable materials like they had since the beginning of time, um, they started figuring out how to dig up oil out of the ground and turn it into inexpensive, cheap materials. Um, like they, it started out with things like dyes, 
you know, that some dyes were extremely expensive and difficult to obtain. And then it was actually an accident in a laboratory. I think it was the color purple was a dye. And they found that in this accident, in this laboratory, that they could make this purple dye. And then we suddenly started having synthetic things. And then it was actually Coco Chanel who, um, who was instrumental in synthetic fragrances because at that time uh, they made all perfumes out of um, plant-based materials and, it, and the, the scent would not last through the evening. And again, it was kind of just kind of accidental and, and she met this, this chemist who was making these scents and she loved it. And that's where we get Chanel number no. five as when it was one of the per first perfumes because she wanted the fragrance to last. And so nobody even knew when these synthetic fragrances were being developed. There was no knowledge that they might be bad for health, but we have all these chemicals in industry now that they've been developed over the years. We used to back in the forties, people were, uh, you can go online and you can see these advertisements for DDT from back from the 40s, where it was just showing women in their kitchen spraying DDT all over everything. And everybody thought that DDT was safe. Everybody used to think that cigarettes were safe. And it's actually only in the last 40 or 50 years that we're starting to see the health effects. And, and I'm happy to say that in these 40 years since I've been studying this and watching this, that we're coming out of this, that, that people, as people are becoming more aware, we're, we're having more non-toxic alternatives are coming to the fore. So I think we're moving in the right direction, but it just, I think we took a wrong turn and a lot of people got sick and died because these toxic materials were being used in products. Yeah, and there might be a lot of better options now, but there's still a lot of toxins that's out in yes, you know our yes. our world and environment. And they've done studies where uh, they've tested the umbilical cord of women, and yes. um, pretty much all the babies that they tested had received over 200 chemicals um, just through the umbilical cord before they were even born. So, well, I I'd like to add something to that. Um, in there's a book, a very famous book, um, called um, Silent Spring, and even though um, when it came out back, I think it was 1964, I was only seven years old or something like that, so I didn't read it when it came out. But a few years ago, I read it, and she says in that book, Rachel Carson says that in 1944, DDT was already ubiquitous ubiquitous. That means it was everywhere on the planet. They already knew that in 1944, which means when I was born in 1955, my mother already had DDT in her body. I mean, it's like I didn't have a chance. All, none of us had a chance because anybody born after 1944, we were all poisoned before birth. Wow. And I, I know that that's a scary thing to hear, but we need to recognize that, that, that the whole entire planet, there's like no place we can go. We would have to go to a different planet. We're going to be exposed to toxic chemicals. But what we can do in our homes is reduce these close in intimate day by day, night by night exposures 
And by reducing that and then doing some other things to get the chemicals out of our bodies, we can dramatically improve our health. Dramatically. Right. And since we're going in that direction right now with this episode, can you talk about the top, let's say, 10 toxic... 10! <laughs> Top 10 toxic offenders that people can find in most homes. And then uh, if you know some of the health risks involved with each of those products, can you talk about those as well? Um, yeah. I want to make a little comment before I start in on this list of 10. First of all, I wrote a book. I've actually written, I think, seven or eight books. Um, the one that's in print right now is called Toxic Free. And I'm not trying to plug my book here, but... Um, the whole point of this book is to identify those top offenders. And I, I, in this book, I identify 50, wow. um, 50 toxic products in your home. And I say exactly what you're asking. What are the um, chemicals that are offending and what you can do to replace the product? So we can talk about some of those here in the podcast. But I really highly recommend, I mean, this book... I wrote it um, like in year 30 um, to be a book that anybody could pick up and understand uh, and take action on. And if you remove these 50 things, then you're going to have a pretty non-toxic home. So, uh, and, and another thing I should say is that um, I first wrote this book in a different version in, when was it, 1986. And, and I asked the question, I thought, if we're gonna remove these things from our homes, what is the most important thing, the most toxic thing that we should remove first? And so, but what I found was that it's not like they fall into a, uh, a nice, neat list of this is most toxic and this is least toxic, that there are like a bunch of things that are about the same toxicity and a bunch of things that are much less toxic. So for example, we'll just start with one, carpet, wall-to-wall -wall carpet. If you've got wall-to-wall -wall carpet in your house, um, you're being exposed to formaldehyde and uh, fire retardants and plastics outgassing and I, I don't I have my book in front of me right here um, I don't have it open to that page but uh, there's all these chemicals and then another thing you might be concerned about is pesticides in food I'm just using an example here so but you're gonna be you're gonna have this huge exposure all day long all night long to these carpet chemicals and some of those are going to stay in your body. And the amount of pesticides, even though some of those pesticides may be more dangerous, but the amount of pesticides in foods is much less. And if you stop eating pesticides, here's a big thing. I want to like put a big turn on lights and flash before I say this. I, <laughs> the thing about pesticides is, yes, they're dangerous, but if you stop eating them, They'll be out of your body in four days. Wow. That's All you quick. need to do is stop eating them. <laughs> That's super quick. Yeah. And uh, so the fact that we have a lot of pesticides in our body is because we continue to eat them. Right. So organic food, organic food, organic food is very, very important. So 
so that that's just an example of how I mean we could be looking at these things and saying here's the most toxic chemicals but you really need to be looking at how toxic is the chemical how often are you being exposed to it how long is it going to stay in your body this is a lot of technical information and this is the kind of stuff I research and share with my readers yeah and uh, talking about carpet uh, carpet is a great place for mold and fungus and bacteria to live too. So um, I'm sure a lot of carpets have a lot of chemicals built into them to try and withstand uh, all of the fungus and the, the yes. bacteria as well, which is yes. also off gassing and, you know, that's getting into your system. And we, we talk a lot about the microbiome here on this podcast and when you're breathing that type of stuff in, then that's going to mess with your microbiome. So it, it all starts to play. It does. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Play together with you. So uh, what's a couple other products that you could talk about? Well, I, I'd actually like to tell you um, at the beginning of my book, I have what I call the big five. And um, I'd like to tell you what those are kind of quickly, and then we can talk about a few more. And the reason why I call these the big five is because if you are exposed to these, you might as well not do anything else because it's so harmful. They're so harmful. And the first one is cigarette smoke. And we don't, I mean, we all know that it, there's warning labels on cigarettes and things. But if, if you're smoking or somebody is smoking in your house and you're getting secondhand smoke or even what's called thirdhand smoke where somebody smoked in the house and they're no longer there and there's smoke in the walls, you're still getting cigarette smoke. And so that's like the number one thing that needs to be remedied first. Um, and then number two is actually alcoholic beverages because if you're drinking a lot, then you're destroying your liver and the liver is one of the prime organs that detoxes your body. Our, I, I should mention that our bodies have detox systems within them and the primary organs are the liver and the kidneys and, and they can handle a certain amount. Um, but the problem is today is that we have so much exposure so much that it way overwhelms our body's detox systems. It's like, and they're like an air filter in a car. If you have, if, you're, if your engine isn't running well and you're putting a whole lot of uh, pollutants into the engine, then that air filter in the engine is gonna wear out and get clogged right away. And that's what's going on with our bodies is that we're just overwhelmed. And people can go, for years and years and not have any symptoms at all, or they can be sick and not associate their symptoms with chemical exposure. But there comes a point when people's bodies get overwhelmed. And at that point, then you start seeing the illnesses that really result like cancer or multiple chemical sensitivities, um, uh, even things like um, uh, obesity, impotence, all of these things that, that I, in my research, I found that every single symptom or illness that you could have is now associated with toxic chemical exposure. The science is there for me to make that statement. Right. And since you talked about uh, cigarette smoke, have you done any research on um, vaping since there's so many people doing vaping now? Like, <laughs> It's still cigarette smoke. It's so not any 
different. And is it still getting into the walls and stuff as well? Uh, I haven't researched that. I don't know the answer to that. I, I was wondering about vaping at one point, and then I saw that there, that you know, they looked at the smoke, and you know, it's still, it's, it's still a, a problem. Yeah, and we know that the the vaporized uh, chemicals are even worse for the body because they get into. Um, like through the cells a lot easier than smoke itself because the particles are so small, but because they're so small. Yeah. Yeah. I was just curious what it did environmentally because kind of like you were saying, you can walk into a place and you can smell the cigarette smoke, but you can't really smell the vape. So I was curious what it would do to the environment itself. You know, there's just, I, I want to make a generalized statement here, which I don't like to do, but it just really applies is um is that we we our bodies are part of the whole of life and that if you look back far enough then you see there's a planet and there's plants and animals that evolved and human beings evolved and during all these millennia human beings were like this integral part of the ecosystem and then we got to the 1800s and went industrial and all of that changed. And so now we basically live in this industrial bubble and we're so entrenched in the industrial bubble that we don't even know that nature is out there for the most part. And so everything we do, the way we think, everything we buy, everything we eat, everything we drink, everything we touch is industrial. And that is so altered from the natural world that our bodies just don't know what to do with it because, because we're not genetically programmed to be able to process this stuff. And it takes a long time for there to be changes that would allow us to you know, tolerate the natural, the, the industrial world. I'm not surprised at all. Knowing this, what I just said, I'm not surprised at all that people are getting sick from just the everyday stuff because it's totally incompatible with our bodies. Totally. And when I stopped using industrial products, I mean, I, I, I don't want to say it quite like that because uh, at first I went from things like not wearing plastic clothes like polyester and acrylic and things like that to wearing like cotton clothes where even though the cotton was industrially processed and things like that, it still, it was like basic natural material. The difference in how I felt was stunning just because of the biocompatibility between cotton and my body instead of just wrapping my body in plastic and um, so, so I see this progression of us moving away from industrialized materials and products and into, it's like the other side of this, the extreme other side of this is to just get as close to nature as possible. And like you mentioned, um, you know, the manufacturing process is improving so much faster than we can adapt. So, 
you know, you have one type of material that everyone is using, like a type of plastic, and then a year or two later, a new type of material comes out that's, you know, cheaper, easier to use, um, yeah. can can be used in way more products. And so the manufacturing side is progressing quickly, but it takes generations and generations that's for exactly us right. to be able yeah. to adapt to those new type of chemicals and toxins. So that that's a really good point that you bring up. And now, and now we have nanoparticles, which are very, very small and easy to get into our lungs and into our bloodstream and into every nook and cranny of our bodies. Whereas before they couldn't because the particles were too big. And now we have nanoparticles and we have, you know, these, these vapors and it's, it's just so easy for a chemical to be on a little tiny particle and just go right into your body. It's, it's like the amount of time when you breathe in, like if you were to breathe in hairspray or perfume or something, the amount of time it takes for you to, for that particle of chemical to go in through your nose, into your lungs and into your bloodstream is seconds. It's not even a minute, it's seconds. Yep, it doesn't take very long at all. No. Well, let's uh, let's move into the bathroom because I'm sure there's a lot of chemicals in everybody's bathroom. So can you talk about a couple products in there that uh, people might not realize are talk, uh, creating uh, toxin exposure? Um, well, first of all, it's uh, there would be all the cleaning products that you're using and especially bathroom cleaners have extra germ killing things in them um, to be killing all the germs. And if they're killing all the germs in the bathroom there and then they get in your body, they're gonna kill microorganisms. That's what they're designed to do. So the first thing would be to get rid of all the toxic cleaning products you have in your bathroom and, and in the rest of the house. And there certainly are, just as a first step, you could go down to any natural food store and whatever they're selling there is going to be better than supermarket cleaning products. I myself have been cleaning my house with basically baking soda and vinegar for 40 years. And not that there's anything wrong with a lot of these newer products. It's just that was what was available to me 40 years ago and I'm just accustomed to doing it. Um, you can also use, you know, kill germs with hot water. I mean, if you really stop and think about it, you go to a hospital and the surgeons are killing germs with hot water. So, uh, and autoclaves, they're autoclaving the instruments with hot water, hot steam. So that can certainly kill the germs in your bathroom. Um, and another big thing that you're probably going to find in the bathroom is scented products that um, fragrance, synthetic fragrance, it's actually one of the most dangerous things you can be um, exposed to, that um, they're made out of very toxic chemicals. And, you know, you could say stop wearing perfume, but these same chemicals are in deodorant, in soap, in laundry products. They're just scent, 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 all of toilet paper. You know, it's, it's just like everything has a scent to it nowadays. And that's really, that's that's like a big, big one. That if you just were to eliminate all your scented products and stop wearing perfume, I think people would feel a lot better. And then what about our toothbrushes? Because I'm sure those aren't that great for us either. 
Yeah, but I wouldn't say that toothbrushes are a big toxic product. That they're made out of nylon, they're made out of a plastic, the handle, I don't remember exactly what the plastic is, but it's not like PVC or something like that. It's, it's a pretty benign plastic. What's worse is the toothpaste, um, which most toothpastes contain fluoride and they actually have enough fluoride in them that there's actually a warning label on the toothpaste that there's formaldehyde, that uh, there's fluoride in it. So uh, there are also uh, tooth products that don't contain fluoride. If you just go to a natural food store, you'll see a number of them. I actually use a tooth powder that um, is, is only made out of three ingredients or something like that. I don't remember the brand and I don't have it right in front of me, but um, it cleans my teeth very well. So it's just, you know, we're accustomed to, we're accustomed to the industrial mass market products world. And, and, and even especially when I started 40 years ago, I had to really hunt these things down, um, the alternatives, and there weren't very many. And nowadays, you, you can go into a lot of stores and the non-toxic products will be on the shelf right next to the toxic products. And so now it's more a matter of being able to tell the difference and choose the right one. The, the access to non-toxic products has become much more available. And when people are at the grocery store, what are some, um, you know, how should they be looking at labels to determine what is and what isn't a better option? Because like you said, a lot of times they don't have to label uh, everything that's in the product. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I have some opinions about food. <laughs> um, I would say um, I, I mostly don't shop at the grocery store. <laughs> um, well, here, I'll give, you, I'll give you the grocery store answer first, but then I want to um, include my answer too. <laughs> uh, um, so the grocery store answer is uh, most products if they're in a package are going to have some kind of toxic additives in them. And so first of all, uh, canned foods, most cans contain BPA, bisphenol A, um, and that's been in the news a lot. Um, it's in the lining of the can and so it gets into the food. So the only canned foods that you wanna use are, are brands that have BPA-free cans. And those will, some of the cans say BPA free. Some of the brands, you can go to their websites, like Eden Foods doesn't have um, BPA in them. Um, and there's there are lists actually available online that tell you the brands that don't have BPA. So, um, and then you really want to read the ingredients list um, and see if there are any ingredients that are not actually foods. Um, I Here where I live, there's this little produce stand kind of place where they, um, they also sell other foods besides fresh local produce. And you walk in and the first, in order to get into the store, you have to walk by about 10 feet of chips. And they all have these, these messages on the labels about how natural they are 
or organic. And then you read the ingredients and they've got all these additives in them. And it's really kind of funny because even the organic ones, and, and so I really haven't been able to find any chips that I thought that I could eat except for one, one kind of chip. And I'm trying to remember the name of the brand, which escapes me at the moment, but it's a beet chip. It's made out of beets instead of potatoes. It's not, I'm not saying that potatoes are bad, but these, the, these actually are baked instead of fried and there's no additives. It's just beets and sea salts and they're really crunchy. But any other chip, it's just, I keep putting them back on the shelf because they've got these artificial additives in them, even though they might be made out of organic corn. Um, so you really want to, uh, as much as possible, fix your own food and not rely on packaged food. Um, and beyond that, organic is really important. But what I really found, I, I had the extreme good fortune to move to Sonoma County, California uh, last fall. And it wasn't, it, it wasn't my choice to move here. It was just kind of like fate moved me here. And, and what I found was that the quality of food here is just incredible. I buy most of my food at the farmer's market and I've learned to fix it myself. But the difference between the food that I buy here and the supermarket food is that, and even the organic food store, is that a lot of people are growing heirloom food here, heirloom and heritage food. And that is like the original DNA of the food. It hasn't been altered. It's not hybrid. And if I could take three carrots, for example, one from the supermarket, one from the natural, the organic food co-op, and one from the farmer's market, and they, the, the two, from the supermarket and the far, and the natural food store look identical, even though one's organic and one's not. And then you look at the farmer's market heirloom carrot and it's completely different. And so there, I think that there are factors in these heirloom varieties that contribute to our natural level of health. And that most of what's we're eating our hybrid foods and um, you know GMO foods and all these kinds of things. We're not getting nature's foods. And when I started a year ago eating these heirloom foods from my farmer's market, eating, we've got, where I live, we've got about a dozen heirloom apple trees in on the property. And I just like get up in the morning and take the apple lapse of tree kind of thing. And I've realized that everybody can't do this, but heirloom food is becoming more and more and more available. And if you can find that, like particularly like heirloom beans is, are just exploding and you can order those online. And if you start incorporating like some of this ancient DNA kind of stuff in your body, I think that that has a healing factor that's been amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. Do you have any final um, tips or tricks that you want to share with us about, um, you know, finding the toxic chemicals in your house and removing them? Well, I would just, <laughs> I would say the best place to go is my website, 
toxicfree123.com because I've already done a lot of this work for you. And uh, in addition to my book, I also have a directory of websites that are selling these toxic free products. I actually just started a store where you can just go look up the type of product that you want one by one. Like, like this is going to sound like a, a small thing. I just added eight different uh, products of gloves, you know, like food service gloves that, um, or medical gloves that um, instead of being made from PVC, which is a toxic plastic, they're made from polyethylene, which is a non-toxic plastic. And so I've already done all this legwork for you. All you need to do is look up what it is that you need. And um, I'm also adding other things to my site very soon, which have a lot of background information so that we don't have to, everybody doesn't have to start from square one to do the research because I've already compiled so much. Awesome, Deborah. Well, once again, people can find you at toxicfree123.com. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing, um, you know, how we can improve the quality of the products in our house and how to get these chemicals out of our homes, especially in our sleeping environment. So thank you, Deborah, so much. Thank you for having me. Well, there you have it, folks. I know it can be really intimidating looking at all the different products that you have in your household and trying to figure out how to start eliminating the possible toxins that are in those products. So like I mentioned in this episode, start with your bedroom. Since you spend so much time in your bedroom, start with that region first, and then you can work on the rest of the house. Don't overwhelm yourself. Okay, if you want to learn more about Deborah, go to toxicfree123.com. You can see her store that she talked about. She also has her books on her site as well, and lots of articles about different toxins and what they do to your health. Okay, next week we have a power couple, Heather and Damien Dubay, who are coming on to talk all about thyroid health and how to empower yourselves to take action to improve your health. Uh, so that's going to be a fantastic episode. And we dive a lot into the scientific approach to the thyroid and also a lot of the mindset stuff behind just healing in general. So stay tuned for that episode. If you enjoyed this episode, then go to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. Uh, if you go to summitforwellness.com slash iTunes, it only takes a couple of seconds to leave us a rating and review, and it does help to get us out in front of more people. Keep on climbing to the peak of your health, and we will see you next week.